Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, welcome to The Opinion Line for Monday. Uh, this whole story about the Gadi doing the outdoor drinking thing. Remember I said to you last Wednesday morning that I had come across something to do with outdoor drinking and I couldn't tell you what it was, but I really wanted to tell you what it was. Well, that's what it was. It was that there's a problem or potentially a problem with the outdoor drinking. And the problem with the outdoor drinking is that if you bring tables outside your pub and set up an outdoor area, your license doesn't necessarily cover that. According to the guy that you see, when you get a license in the district court to serve drink in your pub, it covers a very specific square footage, very specific square footage. So if this studio where I am here is the inside of my pub, my license to sell drink covers that footage. If I want to move into the production room where Terry is and put a table in there, I can't. I can't just do that because I want to, or because the council says I can. My licence doesn't actually cover it. And it's a little quirk in the law that has come back to bite them on the ass now. And I don't want any pub to have to close down over this. I really don't, but it's it's come out of nowhere. Let's go to the Vintners Federation. Michael O'Donovan is chair here in Cork. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, TJ. Isn't that roughly it in summary, that my licence covers a very defined, in fact, a drawn-out square footage? Yes, you're, you're spot on, TJ. You, you go to the court, you apply for your licence, and you get your licence assigned to your area, your premises, um, and that's what it is. And look, I suppose... Uh, we recognised this uh, all of two weeks ago, PJ, when uh, Michal made the announcement uh, the Taoiseach on the 29th of May. Um, we we were waiting for the announcement, really, to see what was going to come. That we had word on the 27th that we were going to be going outdoors, and that it was going to be around the 7th of June. So we communicated with our members at that stage that if they were going outdoors, there's, there is a process then to go to extend your licence out onto the public footpath, and that's called the Section 254 mm-hmm. licence. So That's um, where people have existing tables and they have two or three of them all year round, isn't it? Yes, they apply to their local council through this uh, Section 254 and that extends your licence out into the public footpath um, 
for dining or drinking, whatever uh, takes place in your business. And what about the people who have spent a lot of money, and they have, uh, converting car parks into the most wonderful uh, dining areas? Should they have gone to the court to, to get that all relicensed, as it were? Yeah, well, look, most of our members, look, look, I suppose the background is, PJ, as we stand here now, there's only about 50% of our members, uh, 52, I think, is the exact number from a survey monkey that we did um, across the country that, ha- that are open. And, like, we communicated to them all that they, if they're going out onto the public uh, footpaths, that they need to apply for these. The vast majority of those... 52% would have had uh, Section 254 licences because a lot of them would have had tables, chairs prior to this anyway. It's the ones that are doing it newly for the first time. And a lot have applied for it. Now, there is a bit of a backlog. So look, when, when the Taoiseach announced it on the 29th of May, it was the Friday evening, the following Monday, I know here from Cork City, the vast majority of members applied for their, their, their licence, their Section 254 licence. Now, there's about a six-week wait in getting the licence, but once they have their reference number, and look, this is where the the, the minister's, um, I suppose, statement last night is very welcome, that it's at the discretion of the Gardaí, and look, we're hoping that common sense will prevail in this. If you have your reference number, your application has gone in, we don't have the licence yet for a lot of them, but the process is in working through, and hopefully common sense will prevail that, look, in a couple of weeks they'll have the licence, and look, in two weeks' time we're going to be going indoors hopefully on the 5th of July, but it won't become an issue here in Cork, hopefully. Why did this only come up two weeks into it? Why didn't we hear about this before they ever opened? Well, look, I suppose, PJ, it's a... Look, the the government would have to answer that, I suppose. Look, they're, they're making legislation as they go along, and look, to be fair... I suppose we were all caught up in trying to get open. Um, it was only when the announcement was made, <clears throat> excuse me, that we uh, recognised that there was going to. Well, look, I suppose we 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 were guessing there was going to be a problem in it, but um, but it's mainly if, if you have this section two five four, as I keep referring to. Mm. I think that this this isn't as big a problem once you have that application process gone in. It's where it's not gone in, then you have um, then you may have a problem. How do look, we square this as well with? the council bylaw that says you can't drink in the street in Cork anyway. Yes, but look, this is part of their, I suppose, a a way uh, the bylaw around that is that you have it segregated, you know, like you have your windbreakers. They're they're all the requirements in that section 254 that you, you segregate an area outside your premises. So... It's it's extending your premises onto the public area, so like it's um, it's technically then not in public um, on on public, you know per se street because your premises ex- is extending out onto that street. Mm. Kate so, is asking the question: Why didn't the guards tell the restaurants and the pubs before they opened so they would be prepared for this? But I would have thought it would that that most publicans, well, experienced ones at least, would know the importance of the square footage. Yes, and look, we communicated it to them, and that's why, look, PJ, to be honest, I don't think it's... Look, I've been on calls all weekend here in Cork and during the week with publicans. Um, I'm not aware of it uh, as, as big an issue here in Cork. It's in other cities and towns that it's, uh, that it's an issue. To be fair to the Gardaí here in Cork and to the council, they have worked superbly with all the pubs and restaurants, so um, I don't mm. think it's as big an issue here, hopefully. We can't, we, you don't foresee a situation where a guard is going to walk into any place that's been converted or any couple of 
places out in the street and say, or walk in for argument's sake to Prince's Street and say, lads, stop serving? No, I, I hope not, because look, they you all have their... hope not? Have you yeah. contacted the guards to ask them, is that a possibility? We're, we're in constant uh, uh, communication with the guards. I've been, even this morning, communicating with, with them, and look, it's, uh, we haven't been communicated that that's on the horizon as of yet, anyway. Mm, OK, Michael, leave it there for now. Thank you very much. That's Michael O'Donovan, Chair of the Vintners Federation here in Cork. The, the, the law is very simple. As I said, to explain it as best I did here, this studio is my bar. I'm entitled to sell in my bar only in the square footage of this studio. If I so much as knock into the room next door and extend in there, I have to go to court and get permission to put a table in there. I remember years ago, a friend of mine bought a pub, and I know this, this is where I, I understand this law. A friend of mine bought a pub, and he made a modern job of it now, and the old pub had had two separate sides where he had the lounge on one side and the bar on the other. And in the middle was a storeroom and the cold room. And there was quite a, an extensive yard out the back. So what he did was he knocked the cold room, knocked the storeroom and put it out in the yard and made his bar all one a fine big area. Only to discover two or three days before he was due to open that he had to go into court and get his license extended to cover where the cold room had been. And that if he so much as put a point into somebody's hand in that new section of his pub, he'd be in breach of his licence. It was absolutely crazy. And then I realised, he showed me, because I was, I was doing some work on the bar for him, and he, electrically and putting in some sound, he actually showed me the square footage rule. And the, where the cold room had been, you couldn't put anything in there. That's, it's, it's, it's daft, it's ancient, it's typical Irish, but that's where it is. So technically, I was out last night, bit of dinner for Father's Day. I was out in Barry's, and they have a wonderful job done out the back in the, what used to be the car park. They call it the garden now. It's marvellous, absolutely. And technically, every table out there is illegal, unless they've gone for this section 285 or whatever Michael calls it, or they've gone to the district court and they've applied to extend the licence out there. Because other than that, they're stuck. Uh, but And that would be count for many, many more places. See where the Briar Rose have done a wonderful job out front there in what used to be their car park. There's many other places have moved into the car park next door. And unless they've made an application at least to the council or to the courts to extend their licence into that area, they can't actually do anything with it. 1850-715-996, the number to call. Tom says, all the paths are so narrow now and you're trying to walk down the road with people coming towards you and hot food and drink, someone is bound to get hurt and who'll pay that insurance? That's another interesting question that I think only the council can answer because if you are out in an area and your licence has been extended to cover the area, then obviously you're liable. But if you're not liable, who's liable? And if you are down in one of the streets and you're getting your point and you get up and you go to cross the street and you trip and you fall then who is liable? That could be your whole insurance question 1850-715-996 Reiner to you, we have two giveaways on the programme today, actually three we've got one an hour, we have free munch Monday uh, between now and 10 and between 11 and 12 and we've got our free speaker frenzy between 10 and 11. I'll do the Munch Monday one now. And your way of getting in in the act, 
Very, very simple. Just a text or WhatsApp to 083 396 96 96. Free Munch Monday on Cork's 96 FM could win you a voucher for the River Lee Hotel. It's your ticket to tasty free food. Thanks to the McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at crunch time. CMIG.ie. Need you to finish this? Very simple. Chicken curry and blank. Right, chicken curry and blank. The answer and your name to 083 396 96 96. All right, chicken curry and blank. The answer and your name to 083 396 96 96. We'll take a load of them, lads, and we'll just pile them up and we'll pick one around 5 to 10. So, chicken curry and blank to 083 396 96 96. The answer and your name for our free Munch Monday, your ticket to tasty free food. Thanks to the McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at crunch time. And we'll do the free. We'll do, the, we'll do the, the, the free speaker frenzy between 10 and 11. Remind you that today is the 21st of June and do not refer to it in my presence as Midsummer's Day. It isn't. Because according to this wonderful app on my phone, where's my phone? This wonderful app on my phone that gives me the sunrise and sunset every day of the year. Sun, would you believe when I tell you that actually sunrise was at 4.28. Summer began actually at 4.28 this morning. Sunrise, sunrise was at 5.15 a.m. This morning, yeah, sunrise before. Yep. So, so summer began in the early hours of this morning. It, the next important date is the autumn equinox. That will be the twenty second of September, when sunrise will be seven twenty. Do you know how many days that is away? Because you can, I can tell you, I'm, I'm sad like this. I really am a sad character like this. In ninety two days now, we'll have the autumn equinox when autumn actually begins. Give you a better one again. The winter solstice, which of course will be. The 21st of December, that's 183 days away. And then the clocks go back, they do, in 132 days. These are the sad things that I sit up worrying about in the early hours of the morning. 1857 uh, I can't see my running order on this screen. I just one minute now. We're we're trying to sort out this problem with our audio. The only thing you've got at the moment is me. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm boring you, but I'm doing my, <laughs> doing my level best not to. Uh, just... Did you see there at the weekend where the the tarnished uh, he seems to be crossing swords again with the chief medical officer? Now Leo should have learnt from the last time he did that. The last time he crossed swords with Neffet was before Christmas. Do you remember that? He said that there were people who had never had to worry about being on a pup payment. They'd never had to worry about shutting down a business, this, that and the other. And of course, we all know he lashed out at Neffet before Christmas. And then we all know what happened uh, before Christmas and after Christmas. Well, Tony Hullohan has said that people who were not fully vaccinated should not travel abroad. We shouldn't travel abroad, he is suggesting, until we are fully vaccinated, even though they're going to reopen travel from the 19th of July. That's, that's the plan anyway. Leo comes out of the weekend and said, oh, no, that would be unfair. So he wants them to be, everyone to travel once you take your PCR tests or else you've previously had COVID, any of that. You can't actually, says Leo, stop anybody. Now, he's right, of course. Of course, he's absolutely right that you can't stop anybody from going. But he's crossing swords again with Neffet. And, you know, Leo should have learned from this. Leo should have learned not to cross swords with Neffet because any time that they have crossed swords with Neffet, and I'll argue this one with anybody that wants to take me on about it, uh, 
they have been wrong and they have been found to be wrong. And Neffet have been the ones who were proven to be right. Like before Christmas, Neffet said, uh, you can either open the pubs before Christmas or we can go visit one another in, in our houses. You can do one or the other, but don't do both. The government thought they knew better. They opened up the pubs. And we know where we were in January. And of course, all of the pubs are going to tell me, well, that wasn't down to us. Maybe it wasn't, but Neffet said, don't do it. They did it, and we ended up where we are, or where we were. And now we're only just about getting out of it. And we're still dealing with the pubs, and we're still dealing with this, that, and the other. Mostly the other. Let's move on to a few more things that are on my desk that I can talk to you about during the morning. And we will talk to you about many, many more things today. This particular problem with the, with the seating area. I think we've clarified it to be fair with Michael from the Vintners Federation. I'm very, very sure that we have we have clarified it and hopefully there won't be a problem. But the, the guy that you've been speaking this morning on the national radios and they have been saying, look, there is technically a problem because of the square footage rule. And technically speaking, and again I'm being technical here, a guy that can walk into any pub in Cork right now and ask for proof that those outside tables are covered under the licence. And if they are not, they can say to stop serving. That's where we stand. The chances of them actually doing it, I reckon, are minimal because the Acting Minister for Justice, Heather Humphreys, said there last evening in a tweet, she actually asked the Gardaí to use their discretion and she said, in fairness, they have been using their discretion. Uh, for most of uh, the the last few weeks, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Now this story was I was here yesterday doing old and Irish, uh, sitting in for the great one, and the story was going on about uh, there was a water leak, a mains leak in Black Rock, and the fire service were there and all of that, and it was just another story in the news until you realise, hold on, it's anything but another story in the news. Uh, a family had to evacuate their home. Fiona's with me in studio. Hi, Fiona. Good morning, PJ. What, what happened to this? It was a leak or something, was it? Yeah, this happened in McGrath Park and um, the owner of the home, Gary O'Donovan, had spotted a water leak outside his home and he contacted the uh, Irish Water. And um, the, it seemed to have dried up, but later on then, this massive sinkhole developed in his driveway. And there's some incredible photographs in today's Echo taken by uh, photographer Larry. Cummins, which shows the size of this sinkhole. It covers nearly the whole ex- driveway and his car was parked in the driveway and you can see that one of the back tyres has actually gone down into it so it was nearly swallowed up by this sinkhole and there was also a crack on the house. Now that family, there's himself, his wife and his three children, they were evacu- evacuated from the home yesterday and spent the night in a hotel. Um, now a structural engineer is due at the site today to es- establish the full extent of, of what happened and Irish Water will also be um, coming out onto the site as well. Now the fire fire service did attend at the scene yesterday as well and um, they said that water was gushing from the burst main when they arrived um, and Irish Water did issue a press statement yesterday and they said that um, there will be no widespread water supply interruption due to remedial works that were being carried out um, they are engaging with all other stakeholders and affected families at this time. Anybody with queries about the quality of their drinking water should contact Irish Water's helpline and that number is one eight hundred two seven eight two seven eight, and it's open 24 hours a day so I suppose um 
you know, it's it's uh, we we've heard an awful lot about these sinkholes mm. and we've seen them happen all over the country. But for it to happen in somebody's driveway like that is um, it's quite shocking scary. to see. Imagine and coming scary. out and there's the ground swallowing up your car. And of course, I, I really an interview with them. I think in Cork Bio last evening, and they mm. were saying they don't know what extent of damage there is to the house. Yeah. They're looking. The doors seem to be warping and stuff like that. That's so it. God, and there's a crack not, in the wall of the house as well. No, so no, it's uh, an people. absolute nightmare for that family Absolute, now today. Absolutely. If you want to thank, thank thanks for that. Uh, we go on to uh, Whitegate. There is a problem with a road in Whitegate and they've been putting up pictures of this road in, in Whitegate and they've had a number of demos now at this stage and they're looking to the County Council to act with every kind of urgency. Shane Russell is down in Whitegate. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having us on. Delighted. What can you tell us about this? You're with the Whitegate Residents Association. Yes, indeed. I suppose the road through Whitegate um, for uh, many years now has been deteriorating bit by bit and the recent heat, very warm weather over the last two weeks has seen the tarmac actually bubble up through the surface on it and it has made it nearly impossible, certainly on some of days when the weather is very warm. There had been plans to resurface the road there, but they had been put on hold because we were waiting for Irish Water to install a wastewater treatment plant in the locality, which would have involved a lot of pipe work going in in this road section but it's got to a stage now that we can no longer wait for Irish Water they haven't got their planning it was submitted late last year but it's still not granted it's still in the process and people are just sick of waiting and they we need to get the road resurfaced Whitegate is a very large industrialised area we have a lot of heavy trucks passing for both for the Irving Oil Whitegate Refinery which takes a lot of the fuel for the south of the country out by road and also for the other industries the board gas ESB Caller Coals and Gas and obviously Trebulgan Holiday Centre is just a, a two kilometres out the road and the road out as far as Trebulgan is also in a very poor condition at yeah. present. Did The tarmac and all was melting there last weekend I saw. It was indeed and Trebulgan opened actually last Friday and as the day it opened the tar was actually melting up on the road outside it on the, the road into Whitegate. It was just melting up straight through it and destroying cars and tyres that were going through it as well and it's just, it's just not acceptable to have a road that's so busy um, both from an industrial point of view, from a tourism and from the local residents and people just, we, we're just sick and tired of the lack of investment in it. Mm. Just, we feel it's time now to get action. No no more words, just let's get action. Let's it get it needs a full, a full resurfacing. Now, the chances of getting it resurfaced in the middle of summer and t- tenders and all that nonsense, you don't have much chance of getting it done this year, do you? Well, we're, we're very hopeful. We have been speaking with the county council. We've spoken to local councillors and TDs and everyone seems to be of the agreement that yes, we, we understand it needs to be done. Um, we'd certainly be hopeful that it will be prioritised, that it would be done this year because we don't believe the road can last much longer. Certainly if we get good weather again, warm weather, which they're forecasting for the end of this week, the road just won't last. It's just not going to take the trucks and like um, this, it just needs to be attended to. There was proposals many years ago that the National Roads Authority, now the TII, would take control of the R630, which would be the road from the N25 at Middleton out to Whitegate, given the strategic importance of the route. Um, nothing has come of that either over the years. And like, well, we want the people in Whitegate and the other area, we just want the road to be resurfaced so that it's safe to drive on again, basically. How are things down in East Cork now as we head into, I suppose, the height of the summer? We're still trying to drag ourselves through these restrictions. So how are things down there? It's busy. Like we, certainly the staycations, the, the government proposing all these staycations and things like that. You're starting to see a lot more people, visitors coming to the area. 
um, for the summer months or beaches. We have a lot of beautiful beaches down that way. Again, they've been very busy on the warm days recently. But thing, things are picking up, certainly. Look, as the, as the economy gets back up and running now, um, it will certainly start to see a lot more people coming down. Or Trevulgan will be a big draw locally mm. here from a tourism point of view. And um, That's open since last weekend, and they're, they're very busy from what we gather. So I was just going to ask you that. Do, the, do you know if they're busy, yeah? They are, yeah. They're, they're quite busy at present, so they, they'll... they'll they, and Trojan, in fairness, draws a big crowd every year, but certainly with, with the promotion of the homegrown holidays this year, places like that are certainly going to see a huge boost. Well, they will be busy all year round then from an industrial point of view because there's so many heavy industries down there. Mm. So there's, there is a constant flow of traffic, a constant flow of people in the area. I, I love the photo, summer. actually. I, lo- I love the header photo on, on your Facebook page. Uh, that looks like somewhere from Tenerife. <laughs> it looks yeah. pretty- a beautiful photo. That's a shot from there's a, a shot over towards the ESB, and I had a DSB power plant taken from the centre of the village. But it's a nice, it's a nice photo. The palm trees, like they look yeah. great. <laughs> if only we could get thirty degree temperature every week, we'd be delighted. Okay, all right. Listen, Shane, leave it there. Thanks ever so much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. That's Shane Russell from the Whitegate Residents Association. I saw those pictures of melted roads on the first really hot day of the week and the of the year. And I don't know whether I'm wrong here. Maybe I am. I regularly am wrong about things. I thought they had now begun treating all the roads, so that can't happen. But clearly not. To the pubs and the reopening and all of that. Anne says, I was walking down the footpath of one of these streets during the weekend. I understand the outdoor dining needs to be done to keep the industries going. And I love to see it back. But my issue is these streets are still open to pedestrians. I was going down the street to go into a shop that is down there. I two waiters give out to me for getting in their way. Should they not be giving way to pedestrians? The streets that I think you're referring to, are they not operating a one-way-in and one-way-out system? At least I think I saw arrows at the top and the end of the street to go one-way-in, one-way-out. Here's hoping that, um, that that is helping with the situation of which you speak. 1850-715-996. Let us talk to uh, Jack O'Keefe, um, the chef, of course, from TVAM and, of course, formerly of Greens here. Because... The, the, everything's getting a makeover these days. They're making up this and they're making up that and they're doing this and they're doing that. Everything's getting a makeover, including the humble toasted sandwich. Hopefully we can talk to Jack O'Keefe next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. It's Cork's biggest breakfast cash giveaway. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Cork's 96 FM. Answer 10 questions. To claim all that cash. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, the winner. There you go, go. With Gardener's Choice in your local Allied Merchant Store. Make them your number one choice for liquid plant feeds and lawn fertilizer. Casey and Ross in the morning. I actually don't believe it. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Jack O'Keefe, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I would have thought that the humble toasted sandwich was immune to to 
fiddling around with it. But it's not, obviously. Look, you can't leave us chefs alone with anything, PG. You know that. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> leave, Look, leave the light on and you're knackered. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Look, the, whole, the humble sandwich was never going to stay humble for long once we started getting bored over lockdown. That's it. You know, this country is blessed with some stunning ingredients, some stunning restaurants and some stunning farmers and producers, why shouldn't we put all this amazing produce in between two slabs of bread and lo- load it up with homemade mayo and melted cheese and everything? It's just a thing of beauty, a thing of sheer magic. Anything that you can hold in your hand and just eat it while you're standing there is just, oh, it just gets me going on a Monday morning. But OK, like, steady on, a small bit, like. It's only a down. sandwich. <laughs> It's not just a sandwich. <laughs> it's the holy trinity. So what are you putting into it now? Look, I put everything into my toast. You can ring my fiancé if you want and a cardiologist if you want. they tell you what I put into my sandwich. Uh, for an example, one of my favourite things to put into a sandwich, would you believe it, is macaroni and cheese. And I know they're going to say, what are you talking about? So mm, I just that's make, interesting. Yeah. And you know the old school triangle toasty that we all grew up with? I do. The little triangle press, right? Yeah. You get a piece of cold leftover lasagna and you bang it between two pieces of, of, uh, of plastic white bread, butter it up and bang it into one of them old triangle presses. And it's one of the most sheer magical things you'll ever produce in your entire life. Bit of effort in that though, isn't there? Well, not really. If it's leftover lasagna. You know, or or if it's a leftover TV dinner or something, there's no effort at all. Yeah, but, and yeah, of course you can still get. I think there's hardly a couple gets married even today that doesn't get one of those old sandwich makers. There must be a fella giving them away for a fiver. You know, <laughs> I don't know where to find them because I've been looking for one. And I can't find it. So if anyone knows, they want to gift me one. Well, here's an interesting alternative now. I know someone who had one and it ceased to function, as these things do, and it yeah. was placed in a skip. So they found another use for the George Foreman grill. Oh, yes. The George Foreman grill is the is the perfect domestic toasting machine at home. Like, you can go buy yourself a flat top or a grill, or you can do it in the frying pan like I do. But the George Foreman, because it cooks on both sides, it's super fast to make a deadly sandwich. And I think a big thing about this sandwich, like, my observation of it is, a lot of people who are into their food, sitting at home, working at home, they now had a much longer lunch break where they had mm. ingredients around them. So it was kind of past that hour, I suppose, people were being a bit more extravagant with the toasty. And as well, then, when you look at Instagram and social media, everything on it when it comes to food is so visual. Mm. And there's nothing that gets more like than a, a big piece of sourdough cut in half with cheese oozing out from it. Have, have like, you ever made an ordinary ham cheese tomato and onion toasty in your life all the time at least three times a week really? and I, do you know what it's funny like being a being from greens and being from that fine dining background i'm obsessed with easy singles just like and a few slices of easy singles bit of bread and some branson pickles and i'm a happy as larry like even yesterday now for my breakfast i had some streaky bacon a uh, little bit of cheddar a little bit of branson pickle and i just toasted it in the frying pan with a weight on top and that's it. Like, it's just, the simple is sometimes the best, as long as the ingredients are really good. Well, Baffery is good. <laughs> well, the, the other thing with those wonderful sandwiches was that, particularly in the triangle, I'm not too sure, sure about, the, you know the way the tomato, you, you have to cut, the, because it would burn the mouth off you. Oh, it's the roof of your mouth would be gone. It'd be like biting for hot pizza. Yes. It's gone. The, 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 yes, it's <laughs> boiling. Yeah, it's boils the roof of your mouth and it's destroyed your planet for the rest of the day and you find your, your skull and pints of Guinness in to cure the burn. But, oh, 
There's something beautiful about it, though. There's some excuse. Now that's that's Jack. That's an excuse, right? So why am I there at Make five o'clock in the afternoon Diesel with Lahan Motors, Airport Road Court, and, and our incredible in the range of Toyota self-charging hybrid? And there's Skull and Pints in the afternoon because I burnt me mouth on a sandwich. That is a new one. <laughs> that is a new I, one. You know what we all chefs are like. I play up to the stereotype perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so give me one now that I can try when I go home. No, I always take, I remember like the hard days inside in Green's restaurant. Um, I'd often scoot over to the sandwich stall in the English market. And it's one of those beautiful things I love to do whenever I come home, is just sit there in the counter, staring at O'Connell's fish, eating a Reuben sandwich and drinking an espresso. And like my favourite one that you can do at home is just get really good thick cut ham, you know, nice mayonnaise, bit of rocket, bit of cheese, and some nice like Arbutus sourdough from Mayfield and Cork. And just pop it in between your George Foreman, and that's it. Keep it simple. Play around with your cheese as well. Like use a nice brie, or I'd love a little. I love a little bit of blue cheese every now and then. And if you're into like hot stuff, there's a buffalo toasty is epic as well. Where you can just get, get just get sandwich chicken or leftover roast chicken, tossed mm. in Frank's hot sauce into it, fold it around, put it into sourdough, and then get some blue cheese, some cashew blue cheese is ideal. Sprinkle that in. Put the other side of sandwich or the other slice of bread on top, and just mm. pop it into the George Foreman, and that is. Epic. How many miles would one have to walk to get even the bread off you after that? Oh, look, that's your five a day inside that. Be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Jackie Lunatic. Thanks. Always, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks very much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. That's Jack O'Keefe, uh, TV chef, on the gourmet toasted sandwich. Yes, th- there is indeed such a thing. We're still coping with a studio collapse so bear with me while I go to my next are we are we good to go yeah. oh we're good to go thank you we were talking about drink earlier in the program and the pubs and the licenses and where the tables should be and where they should not be and the guards using their discretion and all of that old palaver something came to mind it dominated a lot of our conversation towards the back end of last week when the WHO in its report its alcohol global report said that women should be prevented from drinking alcohol. Women of childbearing age. You remember the Ferrari and the re-raw last week? Women of childbearing age should be prevented from drinking alcohol. And it was kind of suggesting that governments would make rules to that effect. Katie O'Keefe was out over the weekend and she met the Taoiseach and she put that particular report and its contents she put it to me, Hall Martin. When I saw that, John, I, 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 in my, from, from my perspective, I was some, somewhat surprised by the nature of that advice and, 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 and the, the content of it, uh, the tone of it. Um, so I, I would have to see that in greater detail. Uh, we have very progressive uh, public health advice here in terms of uh, alcohol and pregnancy. It's not advised, obviously, as we know. Um, but I think some of the language around that that was uh, almost we, we should make people do X and Y and that's not the way one um, So that won't be something that that's No, that's not the way you pr- one promotes public health at all um, and it's, it's through education uh, it's through awareness programmes that's how you do it um, and I was su- surprised by the tone and, and, and the manner in which that was articulated So you don't make people do things in the interest of public health which, yeah, it's good to hear the Taoiseach sort of pushing that WHO stuff to one side. But then you wonder, what kind of stuff have we been made to do in the last year in terms of public health? Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Ah, my buttons are working again. Thank you ever so much. Just thinking I'll be in the pub about five past twelve at this stage. But no, we're sorted now. Thank you very much to Jer and Casey and everyone who pulled out the stop there to get us sorted just after nine. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The number to call. We had Avril who won our first free munch Monday. We've another one between eleven and twelve. And this hour I have a free speaker frenzy for you. Uh, so all that returns as normal interesting story that broke over the weekend about car insurance and I don't really know what this is about so I'm going to try to find out but European regulators are to charge Insurance Ireland with breaching competition rule uh, saying they have been restricting competition in the market here it's coming after a two year investigation into the Irish insurance industry and it could mean they're faced with massive fines Charlie Weston is personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. Charlie, we've known for years that we were paying well above the odds for our insurance compared to other countries. Is that where this all started out? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Yeah, I think that's that's a big element of this. And um, you know, one of the main ways that prices will come down is if you had more players in this market and if you had good price competition. But the accusation here from the European Commission is that... Um, Competition was restricted in this market and it has been restricted in this market. It's difficult for new players to come in because they can't get access to essentially a very good database which tells um, any insurer coming into this market about fraudulent claims, which is essential if you're trying to assess risk in this market. Mm. Um, so the European Commission has said, look, at, they've looked at this. They, they, they raided, if you remember, back in 2017, they, there was dawn raids on insurance companies on Insurance Ireland. Insurance Ireland is the representative body for insurers here. Yeah. Uh, there were dawn raids on brokers, etc. And that was 2017. And then a while later, about two years ago, they decided to, to have a formal investigation, the Competition Directorate of the European Commission. And then they came out with a preliminary finding there on Friday, basically saying, Insurance Ireland restricted competition in the market because players coming in here couldn't always get access to that database. It's called, um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a, a fraud database and it was difficult to get access to it. And they say because of that, uh, it's called Insurance Link, by the way, um, and because of that, competition was restricted in the market and prices were artificially high. Uh, it, it says, yeah, to get access to that Insurance Link fraud database, you have to be a member of Insurance Ireland, that representative body. But that wasn't always easy to, to become a member of that. Right. Not, not, not all firms got in. So now, The, the, the big ones are in there, aren't they? They're all members of it. Aviva, Allianz, AIG, Liberty, FBT. They're all members of Insurance Ireland. That's it, exactly, PJ. Yeah, the main ones. Yeah, the Irish one, FBD and Aviva, RSA, all those. Um, and Zurich. But, you know, smaller players coming in here were finding it difficult maybe to, to join. Insurance Ireland, and if they couldn't enjoy join, if they couldn't join Insurance Ireland, then they couldn't see that database. And you really have to see that database to know whether to take someone on or not. If somebody has made eight claims, 
uh, with previous insurers. Uh, you know, you need to know about that before you take them on. And and, and the obvious the question, Charlie, who owns that database? Well, that's that's the contentionist issue now. It's it's owned by Insurance Ireland, and the European Commission thinks, look, you guys shouldn't own it, and there have been calls and there's. Uh, pressure on now to take that database off them and give it to a public body like the Personal Injuries Assessment Board so that, you know, access to it would be controlled, but, but you know, it wouldn't be denied to a legitimate insurer. So I think that's what's probably going to happen here. We're probably going to see insurance on will probably maybe find alternatively they could just make a, a commitment, uh, you know, sign a binding agreement to hand over control of that database, which they won't like doing, but, you know, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the European Commission. I mean, these yeah. are the guys who find Facebook and Apple and that. You know, they're they're big guys. They have big stick. So, um, you know, I, I think that's what will happen. Access to this will be opened up, but it could be a while. So, you know, we, there'll be a lot of to and froing, a lot of money for lawyers, mm. but there's a little bit to play on this one yet. Peter. What, what has Insurance Ireland said in response to this accusation or this finding? No, nothing much other than they're going to work closely with with the European Commission and 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 they are you know going to uh, cooperate and will respond to this preliminary finding uh, once they have had a chance to look at it. So you know they're not saying that they're right or wrong. They're just saying look, we'll 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 uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put in a response. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a bit of toing and froing. There could actually be an oral hearing on this one. You know they could they could request that, but I don't think they will. But I just do I do think there'll be a lot of correspondence and a lot of tic-tacking between lawyers and uh, it, it could be a year, two years before this is sorted out. Yeah, for, for the punter the, Charlie, buying insurance and having to face that yearly bill which never seems to get any smaller what are the implications here? Nothing immediately PJ, unfortunately you know, I mean, this is going to take a while for this one to work out, but it's just another bit of pressure that's coming on the insurance industry to cut prices because the big one really that happened in the last few weeks was when the judges decided to recommend lower payouts for press yeah. injuries awards. That's the big one. That is the, 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 the you know... This the, is the, the, new, the new book of quantum. And is, is that yeah. in effect now? It is in effect. And insurers should be basing, you know, future premiums on that because they, they tend to price insurance on the basis of what they expect to have to pay out in the future. So they should already be, be building that in. So there's pressure on now for that to come down. I mean, what the insurers told Sean Fleming, the junior minister responsibility for insurance, was that from June on, mm. uh, uh, bills should start reflecting the fact that these payouts will be lower, so, so insurers will have to pay out less. If they have to pay out less, they should make bigger profits. They should pass on a fair chunk of that to the drivers. If we're not going to, if we don't see evidence of that soon, I think there'll be you know, incredible political pressure mm. from the from the government, etc. So, so you, hopefully, from now, if you're getting a renewal, PJ, mm. and it's not down on what it was last year, and from now on, you really got to question it. You got to get onto your insurance company and say, "Hey, hey, 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 what's going on here?" And, so, and go, go and look at a few other insurers. Something that I often thought about in terms of us being members of the EU, I thought, Charlie, that as members of the EU, I could source a service in any one of the 27 member states, that technically speaking, I should be able to go to Rome or Paris or any other, Lisbon, and and do my car insurance through a company there. I can't. Why can't I? I know, and this is this is the idea. You're absolutely right, PJ. That is the idea of a common market, of a single market, of, of you know, of the European Union that we're in. But it's not. it doesn't happen like that. They need to have operations here, companies that, that operate here. And, you know, other than the... The, the, the insurers we have here, we won we won domestic insurer FPT. The rest are foreign-owned companies. Yeah, because the, the underwriters 
I, like I, I guess that I can't go to Lisbon or Paris or Rome to buy my insurance, but all the underwriters are in the EU anyway. Well, they are, but a lot of them are in Britain as well, you know, which yeah. is kind of complicated now with Brexit. But you're right, you know, um, but, you know, there are brokers here who, who, who use insurance companies that are based outside the jurisdiction. If you go to a good broker, you know, they yeah. should be able to get you access to insurers that are not just uh, in this market. The problem is not a lot of insurers want to come in here and operate here because you pay out too much and they just think, oh, jeepers, I won't make any money there. I yeah. mean, you know, if there's child involved at all, if it's a, a business which has a lot of um, uh, people coming through the business, the, the, you know, the, the risk of someone having an accident and then a, a, a judge giving out crazy money is too, is too much. So that's what's killing us. You know, a lot of, you know, particularly in the hospitality sector, a lot of insurers have just pulled out. You know, creches, for example, are in having a real crisis trying to get insurance because insurers don't want to cover that sector because the payouts are enormous for, you know, for small things sometimes. We were only talking about that last week again. Charlie, thank you very much. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. So effectively, this is the EU hitting out at the insurance company here and saying, lads, you need to pull your socks up and you need to let others have a look at that database. Where it goes, we don't know. But for now, it's not going to mean any money back in your pocket. Although, this changing in the book of quantum, which is the amount of compensation awarded for this, that and the other injury or damage, that book of quantum has changed now and the awards are to be lower in the courts. So hopefully, our insurance premiums will start to reflect that. As soon as possible. 1850-715-996. Have you ever heard of main character syndrome? It's, how would I best describe it? It's a bit like narcissism, and yet it isn't. And we all know what narcissism, if you know what a narcissist is, if you had to deal with a narcissist, it goes, God, I don't want to deal with a narcissist. Well, main character system is a bit like it, but it's not quite it. And I don't think it's quite as bad as narcissism, but it's big right now. And where is it big? Wouldn't you know it? Social media. We'll find out more about it next. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. All your favourite tunes to help you through the afternoon. Brilliant giveaways and everything happening in Cork. On the air here from midday on Cork's 96FM. So the definition of main character syndrome is when someone imagines themselves as the lead in a fictional version of their life. No, I don't quite get it either, but maybe Professor Phil Reed from the Department of Psychology at Swansea University can help. Phil, good morning to you. What is this in simple terms? Is it just another form of narcissism or what? It's, it's similar to narcissism, but it's not quite the same. It's really been talked about a lot now in terms of social media. And it's probably a, a phenomenon that's been associated more with TikTok than anything else. Yeah. The, the term main character has got nearly a third of a billion uses on that um, platform alone. And it really has a number of rather vague uses as have been alluded to. But it's when somebody wants to present themselves in a more or less fictional way for, for a number of reasons. Now, this is by no means a, 
a new thing. People have done that long before social media. It's just that social media makes it a bit easier to do. It sounds to me a bit like influencers with a version of their lives that they want you to see. Yeah, that's that's true. Now, we all present aspects of ourselves all the time. You're presenting an aspect of yourself to your listeners. I present aspects of myself to, to students. We all do it, and we select the appropriate parts of our own personality for a particular context, and that's what makes social interaction possible in many ways. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We tend to select the good bits of ourselves, usually, uh, but not exclusively. Social media pushes that a little bit further forward. So in general terms, when people are presenting their lives, they're selectively picking the good bits. Mm. You never really see posts where someone's posting a picture of the, the cat being sick or the washing <laughs> machine breaking down. It tends to be the good bits. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a, a bit of cropping of phot- photographs as well, which we all do? You take a photograph of, yeah. say, the lovely sunshine in the corner of your garden, but you're very careful not to pick up the bin. That's absolutely right. But the thing with, with all of those is you're still selecting from the true bits. Mm. You're not making anything up, but you're, you're presenting the best bits. Now, if you push that just a little bit further it can begin to give a very false impression Mm. of somebody's life. Um, The term fake book has been used quite a bit to to describe the types of things people do on that. Now, that's a bit different from what we were discussing before in terms of of self-presentation. And it does have problems because then everyone has increased expectations of what their own lives should be like. Mm. We get that social comparison, oh, they're doing really well, or why have they got such a fantastic life and I haven't? Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are really vulnerable and susceptible to feeling bad under those situations. Because we do point out from time to time, don't we, or we should at least, that when you look at certain accounts, like TikTok now, Instagram being another offender, shall we say. Yeah. Some of it is yeah. really false, but it's presented in a way that is true. And some people would be gullible enough, I suppose, to be taken in by it. Yeah, I mean, some people are gullible or, or vulnerable. Um, if you're feeling depressed or if you have that depression underlying your life, then you are extremely sensitive to, to social comparisons. But main character syndrome takes it even further. It's not that these people are presenting just the good aspects of their real life. They are inventing aspects of their life. Mm. So what we're seeing with with main character syndrome is is people... It could be taken as people lying. And this is where we get into very grey areas because... It's not clear whether people understand that this is, in fact, fiction or whether they think that this is real. Mm. And that's the difficulty with this particular, I wouldn't say new thing, but 
new phenomenon that people are now talking about. The obvious question is, well, if it's not hurting anybody, where's the problem? But could it be, could it be damaging to, to others? It could be damaging to others. It could be damaging to the, the person themselves, and it could be indicative that there is a problem with that person. Start with the damaging to others first, Phil, and then we'll move on to damaging to the person themselves. So how could it damage, say, someone who's got a million followers on TikTok and they're presenting their life in a particular way that, like you said, is, is fake? How could that damage those who are viewing that TikTok? It depends on whether the viewers understand the nature of what they're seeing. And I think that there are deep questions around whether that's true or not. If you don't understand that what you're seeing is essentially a form of entertainment, then you do begin to start making comparisons between the way your own life is and the way that you're seeing other people's lives on social media. And we know from the research that that type of comparison with others is a major contributor to if we like, digitally induced depression, if I can use that term. Yeah. It's making people feel bad because they're using these types of, of digital communication. Mm. I sort of stray away from social media because in some ways it's anything but social. Yeah. It's, it, it's not the same. It strikes me, though, as not dissimilar to, and look, I, I, I imagine it still happens, but in the heydays of, of, of soap operas, a, a soap opera character would be down doing his shopping in Sainsbury's and be stopped and be called by their character name and people believe yeah. it's actually the character. Kevin Kennedy, when he was in Coronation Street, used to talk about it all the time, that people would shout at him, hey, Curly, and think his name was actually Curly. It's, it's a version of that for a modern era. It is. Uh, and these things have been going on for a long, long time before social media. This is, this is not introduced by digital communication platforms. It's just that they make it a lot easier to do. I mean, if someone tries to present a, a fictional version of themselves in real life and they're doing it to their friends, they're, I, I was going to say they were, they were in the bar, and maybe that will happen at some point again in the, in the future, <laughs> their friends are going to say, hang on a minute, that's what you're doing. That's, this is rubbish, isn't it? Mm. It's harder to do that yeah. on social media yeah. because... There's not that reality check from from other people. Yeah, the scrutiny the scrutiny is tight. So how can it be damaging to those who are viewing it then? Or to, sorry, to the person themselves. I mean, Phil. Finally, yeah, um, I think there are there are two ways that this can happen. Firstly, leaving aside the the professional entertaining side of it, of, of which is as a fair number, as you said, influencers. When people who are not entertainers starting to do this. You've got to ask why. And there are usually two reasons why they're doing that. One is to get other people's attention and two is to escape from issues in their own lives that they're wanting to, to run away from. Now, with the first, if you're doing it for attention, that could mean there's a, an underlying problem there, either loneliness or what's often been called a vulnerable narcissism. And that's where somebody's image of themselves is weak. They have a very fragile 
ego, if we want to put it that way, and they need other people's um, validation, confirmation, yeah, to, to support themselves. Mm. This is a way in which you can get that. Is this why some uh, influencer types or people who are very popular on social media, that they can be very vulnerable if they do yeah. something wrong and people pile on as social media does? Yeah, because they're, they're extremely sensitive to, to any form of, of social criticism. And if they, it's great while it's going well, but the nature of the beast is that sometimes you're going to be up and sometimes you're going to be down. Mm. And that's true of any kind of social interaction. It's true of sport, it's true of entertainment, it's true of any profession. But if you have an underlying vulnerability there, that can be quite devastating. Yeah. So that can be harmful. TikTok has a, a trend where people are actually asked to show everyone how they know that they are their main character. Like it's it, that's yeah. taking it to a new level. It is, and and this is a, another concern because people who are falling into that vulnerable narcissistic um, situation, or even people who are just plain lonely, who are looking for attention can be goaded or manipulated into more and more extreme behaviors to get that attention. Yeah. And there are people out there who are predatory who will actually do this deliberately. And this is especially concerning for youngsters and, and particularly for young women who are often manipulated into more and more inappropriate postings in these um, platforms in order to maintain a level of attention. Mm. So there are real concerns there. Yeah, it, it is the old case, isn't it, Phil, finally? Nothing that you see is completely harmless. Nothing is harmless. Now, I have to say very quickly that with all digital communications, about 80% is harmless and pointless. And if it if it helps somebody, if it's gets them through the day, that's perfectly fine. Mm. What we're talking about is that 20%, some of which may be important, most of which isn't, and of that 20%, there is a danger there mm. that if you're not fully aware of what you're doing, you can harm yourself and perhaps others. Okay. All right, listen, good to speak with you today. Professor Phil Reid from the Department of Psychology at Swansea University. The message, I think, with regard to main characters, it's huge main characters. Handle with care. Probably the best advice. Corks 96 FM's free speaker frenzy. With Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. You want it? I never felt this good. All right, let's do this. Free speaker frenzy is here. Loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Listen in across the day. The queue to text a WhatsApp. I'm giving it to you now. Text the word speaker and your name to 083 396 96 96 on text or WhatsApp, whichever suits you. And then we'll call somebody back and you need to repeat for me the phrase play Corks 96 FM. And that's it. Tickety boo. You win a smart speaker. It's Corks 96 FM's free speaker frenzy with Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. More info on blackpool.ie. Stay listening to win only on Corks 96 FM. Get on to me now. 083 396 96 96. Your name and the word speaker. 
Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Tickets are still available for The Day Crossing Farm, a multi-sensory artwork by visual artist Marie Brett. The film piece streams online as part of Cork Midsummer Festival from June 17th, and you can book tickets at corkmidsummer.com Access all areas Next up in its 2021 online concert series, Cork Orchestral Society welcomes three sopranos to Curtis Auditorium in Diva taking place in mid-July. You can watch the concert stream and the five previous performances this year at corkorchestralsociety.ie Access all areas Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96 fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. There's a kind of a story we've been following in the last couple of weeks. One is when we spoke to Katrina at the Penny Dinners and she told us that she'd come across people who were willing to offend to get themselves back into prison, to get themselves a place to lay their head, to get themselves a place to get off the drugs or off the drink. Then I spoke last week with Nicole Ryan, who'd actually met some of these people uh, as she was out for a run, out for a walk with uh, Frank's Needle Exchange. And she told me that one guy she met said he was going to prison soon and he might get an opportunity to get clean, get off the gear. And he was looking forward to that. Now I'm joined this morning by a young man who has actually done that, who has actually at one point in his life offended to get himself off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The streets, but that's just part of Dean series story. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. How are you doing, mate? Very well, yourself. Good, good. 16 weeks clean, so well done. Thanks. Tell me a bit about yourself. Well, I came from a broken family. I grew up around drinking drugs and I hung around with people older, a lot older than me. 
Yeah. My own age, I was only 11, 12, I was hanging around people 17, 18. So I would have been around drugs and I would have started smoking fags at the age of seven. I learned how to inhale a fag at eight and I was smoking weed at 11. And it just progressed and then I got caught up in it, the fantasy that the drugs, what they were doing for me. Mm. And who was me giving to you, them to you? Older, people older. And the, the people I was hanging around with at the time. Right, right. So it's just, it's a vicious circle when you get caught up in the drugs because it's only a matter of time before the drugs, like the weed is on, there's only a certain amount of time the weed will get you high until you get immune to it. Yeah. Then I went on to tablets and drink and every time it just progressed and before I noticed I was on the streets, I was smoking heroin, I was smoking crack cocaine, I was injecting heroin. And about was, what age were you when you ended up addicted and on the streets? I was on, on and off the streets from the age of 15, 16. Great. And it's the last two and a half years now I'm on the streets. Right. You're, you're, you're still homeless, are you? I'm still homeless, yeah. Yeah. And I think you're living with a friend at the moment, so you, at least you have a place to lay your head. Yeah, I'm staying with a friend at the moment. Yeah, I'm waiting to go into Tiggling. Oh, I know. They're, they're great work. They do great work. So you would have been one of the people who, who, who committed crime to feed your habit and you ended yeah, up in jail because of it. Tell me about yeah. that. Like, when you found yourself getting into that sort of a rabbit hole. Like, I was getting into trouble at a young age with my addiction, you know, and then I was robbing, scamming, doing everything I could to feed my addiction. You know, it's, just, it's a horrible disease, to be quite honest. I didn't expect myself to end up on heroin or crack cocaine and homeless. Mm-hmm. But that's just what came with the drugs. You know, I thought it was a, I thought the drugs were everything that I needed in my life. Mm. But deep down, I was killing myself slowly without even realizing it. I was committing crimes that I wouldn't commit sober. But it was all down to feed my addiction and just to impress people saying that I can do this without any consequences. But at the end of the day, the con- there's always going to be consequences no matter what you do. Yeah. You eventually got caught, obviously. Got caught, yeah. There's only so much you can get away with, like, you know, before yeah. all catches up with you. Yeah, and how how long did you spend inside? I was doing all small sentences, six months, eight months, 12 months, all small sentences, but they all add up at the end of the day. Cause of course they do. I never thought I'd see myself growing up being an addict or an alcoholic or an offender going in and out of prison. They were the last things I wanted in my life. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Nobody is born wanting that, Dean. no. Definitely not. No. And I think it's very important. I have someone like you on the end of the phone now. You know, it's something that everyone says. Every activist says it. Everyone involved with trying to help people like yourself, they all say it. But someone like this is not, this is not what you wanted for yourself when you were a small boy. No, definitely not. No, no, no. I just when I was growing up, I was just around drinking drugs the whole time. But I knew nothing. I, I didn't know anything else but drinking drugs and getting into trouble. Yeah. I barely went to school. And then in primary school, I barely went. Secondary school, I started getting suspended and I got expelled. Then I ended up in Father Rocks in town. Yes. So I was doing a lot of my using in around town and meeting all different people and experimenting with different drugs. Yeah. And before I know it, I caught up with me, I ended up on the streets. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of a... You just, there's no up. You just keep going down and down and down that tunnel. It gets darker and darker and darker. Well, if you're at the level I was at, all I was doing was digging a hole deeper for myself. I wasn't doing anything good for myself. I was just robbing, getting drugs, getting paid, getting drugs, drinking, 
Yeah. So it was just a constant battle because on the streets there's nothing for us there to do. There's not enough day centres for us and with this COVID there's only a certain amount of people left into the Simon community for the day centre over the COVID. So the numbers are limited. Was was there a turning point, Dean, when you decided that you had to get your, yourself cleaned up? I tried to get clean a few times by going to treatment centres and when I was in the treatment centres everything was going well. But when I came out, I was going back around people, places and things. So I wasn't doing myself any favours, to be honest. But I was homeless and I came across this run, Street Angels. And yeah. I went down and I asked them, could I volunteer? Because no other group would leave me volunteer. And the woman running here said, then he said, come down when you're sober. So I came down one day and I was out of my head and drunk. She goes, I told you, come down next week she goes come back down next week when I saw her so I went down and I was drunk again and stoned and then the third time I went down and I was sober she let me volunteer and from that day I never looked back to be honest wow. no, I lost a lot of friends to addiction and suicide yeah. and I actually had I was after injecting heroin and took four tablets from the internet and overdosed and I didn't even remember having that overdose and a cousin of mine said to me what happened to you last week? You had an overdose. I said, I didn't have an overdose. I don't know what you're on about. But then I started getting flashbacks and the fella that actually rang the ambulance for me, he saved my life. But three or four days later, he had an overdose and ended up in a coma and partially passed away. Oh, and God. two weeks after his death, I said, if I don't get my act together, like, I'm next to go on a box or I would probably end up taking my own life because I wasn't comfortable in my own skin I served harm I was cut off the ropes I was pulled out of rivers I took overdoses Good Lord so, Poor devil you, you were in a right mess is the word I was in a right mess And, yeah. and, and was, something told you something inside you told you I think that volunteering with the angels yeah. would be the start of the way out and was it when you eventually got to do it? Or what the volunteers for Street Angels done for me. They bent over backwards to help me. And I I just never looked back. You know, I, I took the opportunity. And I, I have to say, it has to be the Lord. Because what's the odds of me waking up one morning and saying, I have enough with the drink and the drugs and the crime. And here I am today. Yeah, you, you have faith. I wanted me. to explore your faith. You, 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 have you dis- did you always have faith, Dean? Or did you discover faith? I always had faith in me. I went to, I went to treat, I went to my first treatment centre at the age of sixteen. I knew that my addiction was get, getting worse and worse as the weeks went on, you know. And the one thing I never expected was to end up smoking and getting heroin and smoking crack cocaine, like yeah. you know? But did you always have have belief in God or faith in God? No, I never, I never had faith in me about the Lord, but. And where did that come from? How did you get that? When my friend passed away, I went to Rima and I got introduced into reading the Bible. Right. And then I left after three weeks. I came out, I met a friend, and then I started reading the Bible and going to prayer and going to church. Right. And the doors the Lord is after opening up for me today is just amazing what he's after doing in my life in the last couple of weeks. Wow. Wow. You know, so it has to be the Lord because I didn't do this on my own with the help of street angels and with the help of the Lord. It's just amazing what doors he's after opening up for me and where I'm after getting myself with the help of all these people and the Lord. Wow. 
Well, and it literally gone. just happened for you in a particular way. You found yourself in church, Bible reading. Who who handed you the Bible, say? Who gave you a Bible and, and encouraged you to read? The manager of uh, Rima. Where's Rima? What's that? Rima, or in the treatment centre. It's a Christian treatment centre in Tipperary in Colbrook. I see. So that's where I started to get to read the Bible and here I am today going to prayer, going to church, reading the Bible, talking about the Lord. And I surrendered my life to the Lord. I gave my life to the Lord and I, I never looked back. And to be quite honest, I'm that confident in myself. I don't think I'll end up back on the drugs, but I just have to take it day by day. Day by day. Sometimes, and, and is it hard, Dean, sometimes? I mean, 16 weeks now. Is it hard? It was hard at the start. But I went cold turkey from all the drugs. I didn't have no methadone, I didn't take tablets, nothing. I went cold turkey myself for two weeks. That I must, have been, that must have been tough. Oh, I was tough. I was the pains in the body and wasn't able to hold on food or water. Everything was just coming back up out of me. So I was gone down to seven and a half, eight stone at that time. Like So I was losing a lot of weight. I didn't have a lot of energy. I was walking the streets morning, noon and night and trying to find somewhere to stay with a bit of shelter in case it started raining. So it was a constant battle. And to be quite honest, I don't think there's enough support for the homeless in the city because it's just getting worse and worse because every time someone's taken off of the street, someone's being put on the street. Mm-hmm. So it's just a constant battle. And then you're battling with your thoughts and your feelings, your emotions, and you have your good days and bad days. But being on the streets, I don't think you have any good days to be quite honest because there's nothing for you to do when you walk the streets, get harassed by the guards and if you're sick from drugs and you have no money you're going to have to go robbing or scheming to get the money to get your fix or whatever you need just to get through the day. Yeah. To be honest, like it's, it's, it's tiring, like it takes a lot of energy out of you and you wouldn't think it, like yeah. sleeping in tents and doorways and no, just a cancelled battle and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy to be quite honest like because yeah. there's people on the streets judging the homeless for what they are like none of us came into this world wanting to grow up to be an alcoholic or a drug addict to be on the streets homeless you know yeah. I was my own man at a, a very young age so I didn't really have much support around me to be quite honest when I was growing up Yeah, you know yeah but where you are now is a much better place than where you were even even three or four months ago. Money wouldn't pay for where I'm at today with the peace of mind and the belief I have in myself and the belief I have in the Lord. I never thought I'd be reading the Bible or going to church or going to prayer, to be quite honest. But it's working for me today and I'm just going to drive on with what I'm doing today. Yeah, yeah. you've taken part, I think, in a, in a documentary on, on the local station Life FM, that was very brave. You've talk, talked to them in quite a lengthy documentary. You're talking to me this morning. I guess, Dean, you never would have seen yourself three months ago or four months ago talking to a radio programme about where you've been. No, I wouldn't have dreamed of it, to be quite honest. I don't think I would have any confidence in myself three or four or five months ago to come on live on the radio and talk about it. Like, but Brooke has just given me that extra bit of courage to do what I'm doing today you know yeah. it's given me more confidence I feel more confident in myself yeah. you know but I was just coming on live on radio this morning just walking someone that will take something out of what I'm talking about because I took every drug under the sun I drank probably every drink that's in an off license you know yeah. it's just a constant battle surviving being on the streets because it is difficult like 
know. I'm delighted for you that you that you are where you are. You know, for people, we often talk about, and you talk about it in an article in the Echo. You know, being judged when you pass someone on the street, judging them. Don't don't judge that person. You don't know anything about them. Everybody in a doorway, everybody on a set of steps, everybody that you see on a park bench. They all have a story that you don't know. Is that how important is it that we know that, Dean? Oh, it's very important. Behind every addict or an alcoholic, there's a story. You know, we're not bad people just because we're on the streets. You know, people that are judging the homeless. If you're walking past a homeless person, it only takes a minute or two out of your life or your day just to talk with them. They're friendly people if you start getting to talk to them and they might open up and they might tell you what's going on from how they ended up on the streets, you know. I don't like people judging people for what they are because they're on the streets because they haven't travelled in our shoes, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what we're dealing with on a daily basis. They don't know what's going on inside our heads on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But it's, at the end of the day, it's all about surviving on the streets. And the homeless on the streets are just like one big family because we have no one else by ourselves on the streets, you know. So... Yeah. We're not well, my last people, question like, to you, Dean, um, and, and it's... Do you have dreams right now, and what are they? Have I what? Have you dreams of what, where dreams, you want yeah. to be in the next couple of years? I do, yeah. Just to stay where I'm at, stay clean, you know, live a normal life, get a job, you know, to just live a normal life, to get a job nine to five, pay the bills, meet a girl, settle down, you know, instead of walking the streets and taking drugs, because there's only so much that drugs can do for you, and... One, it just takes one, one second to inject a bag of heroin and it could be game over, like, yeah. you know. Well, I wish you every success with those dreams. Uh, you're a fine lad and thank you so much for speaking with me today. No problem, thanks very much. Cheers, that's Dean Siri speaking to me on The Opinion Line. Impressive young man. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Love Island was challenged before on diversity. Mm-hmm. And it was mainly It's on discrimination against ugly people, basically, Ross. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's already discrimination going on there because people like me and you will never get ever. on the show. That's Why, my point. Buddy, the only show we're getting into is Grub Island. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the finalists. It'd be the two of us mauling over a sausage roll. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city a long-standing tradition in Cork open 24-7 at milldc.com Cork's 96 FM I tell you earlier on this morning about the solstice and the fact that today is the summer solstice the longest day of the year about 16 hours of daylight we'll have today and then it starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter and before the weekend they'll be telling us the evenings are gone but of course we won't really notice anything for several weeks yet let us pop down to the MTU Blackrock Castle Observatory. Francis McCarthy. Hi, Francis. Hi there. You're selling us short by 43 minutes. Am I? Yeah, we have nearly 17 hours of daylight today. Do we? Do we? Great. We do. Now, I woke, I woke very, very early this morning, much earlier than I know. 5 a.m. early? 5 well, a.m. early? I could see light at quarter to five. Oh, yeah. Well, the, you know, the sun is rising, 
but it's still lighting up the sky before we see the sun. Yeah. So it's not like it's black and then, oh, sun comes up. And no, it's, it's very gradual. It's very know, gradual. So it's very, very gradual, yeah. We, we say now that summer officially started, didn't we, at, at 5 you o'clock know, this it's morning. Midsummer. It's midsummer. I, since I've moved to Ireland, I hold the Irish tradition Do that, that we start, and this is midsummer, just as the 21st of December is midwinter. Yeah. If it's midsummer, we've already started summer. Yeah, you go with that because the, the meteorologically, meteorologically the explanations are different. Well, there's a difference between your continental climate where everything is delayed a little bit. So you start summer when it's the longest day because it takes longer to heat up everything. But we've got this fabulous maritime climate. We've got ocean all around us. Right. And that softens out and kind of evens out our climate. So for me, I go, we're in midsummer. We've got another six weeks to go and then we'll be into the autumn. Well, on that we'll agree to differ because <laughs> I've been arguing with my listeners for years about it. I tend to go, I think I'm, I think I'm a traditional, I love the idea of June, July and August always being summer. But then let's get down to the physics okay. of what's happening today. Okay, so... We're on a planet. We're happy with that, right? Yeah. Our planet Earth is spinning around, and it's spinning around its pole. So there's an axis running from the North Pole to the South Pole, and that's what we're spinning around. If our pole was straight up and down compared to how we went around the sun, we would not have any season. We would have exactly the same day length every day. We would have the same night length every night, and there would be no difference in how warm we get because we're always getting exactly the same amount of sunlight. So instead of a boring planet like that, tip that pole over sideways, point it over in space towards the North Star. When you do that, half of the year, it's pointing away from the sun, because it's still pointing towards the North Star, and the other half of the year, as it moves around the sun, mm-hmm. it's on the other side of the sun from the North Star, so it must be pointing towards the sun, and that's our summertime. Gotcha. Today, we're pointing the most. Now, I was trying to do some maths this morning. Mm, maths is good in the morning. It is. <laughs> and I was looking at the dates for later in the year. So we, the, the 22nd of September will be the equinox, mm-hmm. when yeah. sunrise will be about 7.20. Mm-hmm. So between now and then, the day will be about two minutes shorter every day? Well, it's, it's on average, but it's... Less now and more then, yeah. if that makes sense. You hardly so, notice it for the first, what, no, four or five which weeks? which is why it's called solstice. The sun stays still. So the position of it rising on the horizon stays virtually the same, and the time is pretty much the same as well. There's not a huge difference <sighs> right. in the time of sunrise and sunset right now. Because I have this very clever little app that I found mm. on my phone and it gives me sunrises and sunsets for, yeah. for days and days and months and months. And like I have the 24th, so it was 0515, uh, 05.14 this morning. Mm-hmm. Then if I go to the end of July, or say the 21st of July, it's 05.40. So there's only 25 minutes there. So you'll barely yeah. notice anything for the next month you anyway. Will. You will. And then it speeds up around the equinox and yeah. it really does speed up. And then it slows down again at the next solstice in winter. Yeah, the 21st of September. Now, what I love is looking for the roads that line up with the sunrise and the sunset. So you found a great app. So did I. This app lines up which roads will have the sunrise and sunset lined up with the road. 
So if you were out at five o'clock this morning down by the marina and Centre Park Road, Centre Park Road lines directly with the rising sun. What's now, that app problem, called? This isn't an app. It's actually a website. It's a website. I'll send you the link to it and you can share it with everybody. It, it, the only cities they have in Ireland are Cork and Dublin. But who cares about Dublin? It's Cork I'm looking at. Wow. So there's a beautiful one. There's some evening rising. So if you're up on the north side and you're heading out, there's some good alignments over there for the evening. Wow. On the road up to Blarney, I could go, I could, that's a hill. You'd have a good view there. There's another line for the sunrise next to the CSO. Okay. So the little slip road right next Brilliant. to the CSO would have caught the sunrise. This Fantastic. Another couple of locations send send me those details, Francis, and I'll I certainly will. share them because it's fascinating. Always good to speak with you. Francis McCarthy from the MTU Blackrock Castle Observatory. Today's the summer solstice. Enjoy. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I love chatting to Francis at the observatory in Blackrock Castle and I never disagree with her for a moment, but I'll disagree with her today. People can argue with me all they want. This might be Midsummer's Day in her world, but it's summer in my world. Uh, because according to my app here, uh, summer began, meteorological summer began at 4.32 this morning. So to me, it's not Midsummer's Day. It's the first day of summer, first actual day of meteorological summer. But you can argue with me all you like. I don't care. Something else that today is, right? I'm not too sure I'll get into this today. Today is, look it up, it's true, World Naked Hiking Day. It is somewhere in the world, somebody is walking naked with a knapsack up the side of a hill right now. It is World Naked Hiking Day. And sure, look, if we can have a World Naked Bike Ride Day, we can surely have a World Naked Hike. So if you fancy heading down to East Cork or heading to West Cork and putting on a rucksack, taking off the clothes and just having a pair of walking boots on you, for World Naked Hiking Day. Hey, listen, you do what floats your boat or whatever. It is, I promise you. You can look it up. It's there. Black and white. World Naked Hiking Day. 1850 Now, Friday, we had the first part of an annual tradition on the Opinion Line where we spoke with the outgoing Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh, about the year he's just had. And on the Monday after the election, it is the turn of the new Lord Mayor. This time it's Colm Kelleher. I'm joined by our newly elected Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Colm Kelleher. Congratulations, Lord Mayor. Elected in your hometown. Thank you very much, PJ. Yes, um, I was elected uh, on Friday night in Balancholic, in Colosh to Colm, and Colosh to Colm. I suppose my alma mater. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was very... It was a surreal sensation to be elected in your hometown, but also in your own, in your old school. The hall in question is the sports hall or the sporting that they have out the back, and um, I, I can remember as a young lad in fifth year looking out the window in history class, and um, my my teacher Master Galacore trying to teach me something about history, but I was more concerned about the concrete base they were pouring for the sports hall. 
And little did I know that almost 14 years later, I would be elected Lord Mayor on the very base where they were laying the sports hall. So very surreal. We know it came about because of the, the use of City Hall, of course, as a vaccination centre. But when you knew that you were going to be nominated and then you knew it was going to be your own uh, alma mater, it must have been a strange sensation. It was, yeah. Um, now look, we, we all know the, the, the history associated with the Lord Mon and Lord Mayors that have come out of there. But um, I think I'm the first ever Lord Mayor to come out of Gloucester or Gwail Gloucester So a, a great day and a great uh, honour for the school, not only for myself as a past pupil, but for the school as a whole and for Ballancolic as a whole as well, because obviously being a part of the newly expanded city, um, I think it sends a great message that the first Lord Mayor elected from the newly part of the city comes from the, the largest part of the former county that is now part of Cork City. So we're going to get to know you a lot better over the next 12 months, Lord Mayor, that goes with the office. So tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, well, I was born and bred in Ballancolic. I was uh, in Rosewood. My parents, James and Stephanie Keller, two wonderful parents. I grew up in a house, three-bedroom house in Rosewood with five uh, brothers, including myself. Um, you know, it was a happy home. Um, we didn't always get on, as I'm sure you can imagine. one or three has been informed uh, of the following. House. Um, but um, no, my parents did the best they could for us now. And, um, it, it, you know, we, we, we were, as we said, we've all been off in our different directions in life. But um, we are all very anchored around our mother and father, who've been brilliant parents to all and brilliant parents to myself. I suppose myself, I was uh, I was educated in Ballancolic. Um, I had a brief stint in Colossian Fearship in Glanmire. I boarded there from in uh, first year. Um, and my grandmother, uh, Eileen McCall, if she had a furniture shop in Perry Street in the city, she used to drop me down uh, of a Friday evening, or sorry, of a uh, Sunday night uh, to board for the week. But I hated it there. I was just, I just hated it. Um, and I tried to put a brave face in it, but being, I suppose, being 13 years of age and... Uh, being taken from one part of the then county to, to Glanmire, um, I, I may as well have been on the moon as far as I was concerned. It's so far away from home, you know. And why did you go there, Colin? Was it just your parents thought it might be a good idea to board the lad and grow him up a bit or what? I'd say something like that, yeah. My, 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 um, well, they initially spoke about Rockwell above in Tipperary and um, my uncle had attended there and um, you know, I, I kind of talked about it. I said, Tipperary's a bit far now, I'll settle for Glanmire. Um, but um, uh, look, I, I have family in Glanmire also, and I, I've had to live down there, and I've cousins down there. Um, but um, it, 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 they just thought that you know they they may you know as I said build the ladder, so send me down there. But no, I kicked and screamed, and eventually I was allowed to come back to Gwaeclash to call them in College in second year, and. Um, and it was great because I got to meet all my old school friends that I attended national school in Ballancolic. I attended Gwen Scully, Ray Vaughan in Ballancolic. And um, they, they welcomed me with open arms back into second year. So I missed the first year, but uh, I fell back into second year. Your own business now as well, isn't it? You're in the, you're in the motor trade. I am. I'm in the tyre trade. So myself and my brothers, we, uh, we own Keller Tyres and Keller's Auto Centre. Uh, we have depots in Bandon, Ballancolic and uh, Victoria Cross in the city. And uh, no, look, we've been at that now for about... I think we're in business 12 years this month, actually. Um, we, um, I'm a carpenter by trade. When I left school, I, I served my time as a chippy. Um, obviously, during the economic uh, crash of 2008, 2007, I lost my job. Um, I became unemployed. Um, and uh, funnily enough, uh, my, my brief stint in um, in Clashton Fearsig uh, boarding uh, was replicated by I emigrated 
from my father says a record. I, I with fully intentions, I emigrated to Canada, to Toronto, to go working, uh, and I went looking for work, and I lasted four weeks out there, PJ. Uh, I got homesick, and I came back to Cork. You're you're very much a home bird, by the sounds of you. Oh, completely, completely. Um, you know, I love Ballincollig, where I'm from, and I love the city where I'm from. I can also remember, like, when, when you touch it there in Homebird, my, my, my grandmother had a furniture shop in Perry Street. She was from Mallow originally. And um, I spent a lot of my youth, I, I'd cycle in from Ballincollig on a Saturday morning. I'd work in the shop behind the shop counter in Perry Street. And she'd take me home to Mallow. But of a Sunday evening, she'd have to drop me home, so I'd have to be in school again for Monday morning. And I can always remember when we were coming over the brow of the hill by Blarney, and you could see the tower of the north side. I knew I was home. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very much a home bird. So putting that chain around your neck on Friday night, how does that feel? <laughs> um, honestly, I suppose aside from my children being born, it was probably the best, one of the best days of my life, one of the highlights. To feel, it, it's heavier than it looks, um, but to feel, uh, you know, the physical and the symbolic weight that they're bestowing upon your shoulders it, 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 it really hits home. You're wearing the same chain that uh, Tomás McCartney and Terence McSweeney wore. You're wearing the, the same chain that Don Logo Callan, the forgotten Lord Mayor wore, mm. and countless Lord Mayors and Mayors prior to, prior to us becoming the uh, Lord Mayors um, that have worn. So there's a massive sense of history in it. Um, but to actually, you know, you, you try to prepare yourself for it, but when it goes on your shoulders, it was just like a wave just washed over you. You, you, you realise that you're, you're standing in the footsteps of heroes. You're also only 35, which makes you the youngest man since our present Taoiseach to wear that chain. <laughs> That's right. Um, as far as I know, I'll, I'll be the youngest Lord Mayor since uh, on Taoiseach, Michal Martin, and who was Lord Mayor in 1992, I believe. Um, I, when, I, when I received the nomination from the party to... Uh, to stand as Lord Mayor for the position of Lord Mayor. I did a bit of researching into it because I, I kind of thought that I may have been the youngest one, but I was very, very, you know, put out to realise that Michal had beat me. <laughs> I thought a couple of months, but it turned out a couple of years. I think he was 32, I think, at the time. He was 32, yeah. yeah. Now, looking ahead to the year, COVID slows you down at the start, but, but assuming that we get out of this mess, what are the things you want to achieve between now and June 2022? Look, you, you touched on it there in relation to COVID. I do believe that uh, we are coming to the end of it, please God. Uh, there was very you know, hopeful news from the CMO during the week in relation to fully vaccinated people that the virus is almost eradicated within them. And um, That being said, we do have to remain vig- vigilant. It's not gone away. Uh, our vaccination process is is ramping up. We're receiving a massive shipment uh, this week of Pfizer. Um, the work that's been carried out in all the vaccination centres nationwide, but particularly in Cork City Hall and Parky Cueve and CIT or um, MTU, as it's referred to now, um, it's outstanding. You know, and I'd like to commend all all the vaccination staff and all the team and all the three vaccination centres within the city and particularly across the, the nation and the county as a whole. Um, that being said, we hopefully are coming into a post. COVID uh, world um, it will not be the same as the, the pre-COVID world mm. um, we people will obviously have adjusted to this awful pandemic over the last 15-16 months and I honestly believe that the key priority for us here in Cork City and as the region as a whole is the I suppose sense of urgency 
we showed and the, the commitment and will we showed to tackle the pandemic. But we don't forget that. And that is that is carried on into the work as elected representatives and for businesses and for the community as a whole. But the key issue facing us as a city is the regeneration and the recovery post-COVID, the economic recovery. And, um, you know, we, we need to ensure that City Hall as a whole um, and, and national government as a whole helps our businesses, our indigenous businesses um, in the forms of monetary grants or in the forms of, you know, you've got the temporary wage subsidy scheme. And I know all of those are, are a leg up at the moment. They eventually will be phased out. But um, as I'm sure, they won't, the rug won't be pulled out straight away in relation to those because we need to give businesses, uh, you know, a chance to recover. Your office will need to work very closely with the business association, the Chamber of Commerce groups like that, because, you know, and I talk to them here on the program, the business people, they're doing their best. They've they've pulled together like, like never before, but they're going to need all the help they can get, Lord Mayor. Oh, I'm 100% PJ. Like, I'm a businessman myself, so uh, I, I suppose I wear two hats in relation to this. My civic hat, my position as Lord Mayor, but also as, as a businessman. Um, and I can see, um, from a business point of view, that the recovery has started. Like, I, you mentioned earlier, I'm in the motor trade, um, and I, I would always gauge that as an economic barometer. I don't know how accurate it may be, but... Uh, uh, you know, you can see the increase in tire sales. You can see, see the increase in, in brake pads, in car servicing, and stuff like that. And as that's happening, I'm a firm believer. Well, if they're out, you know, getting the tired new tires in their car, new brake pads, or whatever, they're buying breakfast rolls in shops. They're, they're, that's paying for staff members behind deli counters, and that, and it's trickled down economics then in that regard. But no, in relation to the Cork Chamber and Chamber of Commerce and the Business Association, I look forward to the uh, year ahead, and I look forward to working closely with them. And hopefully, as a businessman myself, I can bring a, a unique approach to the position of Lord Mayor. In your speech, you mentioned the importance of housing. You don't need me to tell you. We have a serious crisis, an ongoing crisis, a crisis that doesn't look like it's got any incoming. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that nationally and both here locally, housing for a number of years has been an issue, both private, social and affordable. But I did mention in my speech um, that, you know, Cork City Council should be proud of its track record in relation, in particular in relation to social housing and the provision of social housing, but also in the relation of uh, affordable housing. Like prior to um, myself taking office last year, um, Cork City Council are leading the way nationally in the relation to affordable housing. We borrowed 40 million euros for the provision of social housing within the city. Um, and in, in conjunction with that money and the service sites fund that comes from central government, we aim to, like we have the affordable and border by road, there's affordable schemes obviously which are commercially sensitive at the moment uh, so you can obviously understand why I can't divulge the, uh, the locations but they're, but they're coming you're saying they are coming and um, I have to hand credit in particular to the, the executive in, in Cork City Council um, like as, as an elected rep um, I've gotten phone calls with other elected reps other con- up the country in particular one that kind of resonated with me there was a, co- a county councillor from Clare County Council after we uh, borrowed the 40 million euro it was actually a motion put down by uh, councillor Sean Martin and it was supported unanimously within council um, if my memory serves me right um, to, to borrow the 40 million euro to use in conjunction with the service sites fund and that council, county councillor above in Clare asked me to put him in contact with our executive because they wanted to replicate it up there. Mm, mm. So we are leading the way nationally here in Cork. Obviously, 
um, we're playing catch up. Mm. You know, it, it, it is a problem that has festered for the last number of years. But I've no doubt that with the you know the team that's inside in City Hall um, and you know the elected reps that you know across all parties, across all divides, I think all of us have it at our heart. We need to provide adequate, social, affordable, and there is a place for private housing as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've no doubt that given in, in the fullness of time, uh, we will get on top of it. Lastly, as you took the chain from him on Friday night, a word about your immediate predecessor. What can I say about Joe? He's, he's another gentleman. Um, always had a smile on his face. Um, always uh, brought a great dignity to the role um, he managed he chaired the very first online uh, council meeting and um, last week we, we, we had a co-option Joe's last meeting he chaired online we had a co-option and, uh, um, of a new council member and uh, Joe referred to him as the, he would be forever known as the virtual councillor well uh, Joe, Joe chaired our first ever virtual council meeting so Joe may be the virtual uh, Lord Mayor um, but um, he, like he had a difficult year uh, with COVID, but things did start to open up towards the end of it. And look, in particular, I want to pay um, credit to the Lady Mayoress Stephanie Cavanagh. Um, she carried grace and dignity within the office. And I think when history is written in relation to the pandemic, Joe um, and his predecessor, Doctor John Sheehan, will go down as one of the two most highly respected Lord Mayors in the history of the city. And I want to thank Joe for his service over the last year. It's been an absolute pleasure to attend council uh, under his chairmanship and I only hope I can emulate half of what Joe was able to do. Well there's a long-standing and traditionally excellent relationship between this programme, this radio station and the Office of Lord Mayor. We look forward to working with you and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much PJ. And that is our new uh, Lord Mayor Councillor Colm Kelleher. Um, we do that every year and we will continue to do it. It's a great tradition of this particular programme and this radio station. We interviewed the outgoing Lord Mayor and the, pre- the successor uh, around the weekend that it happens every year. We continue to do it. Best of luck to uh, Lord Mayor Kelleher as he takes over for the next 12 months. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure to join me every evening on the big drive home where the free speaker frenzy continues. I've got a smart speaker to give away every day on the show. Plus the biggest tunes, showbiz and a bit of crack for your drive home. This is going to be like somewhere between the Lil A show meets Anton Dex Saturday Night Takeaway meets a full on rave. For all that and more, I'll catch you weekdays from four. four, four. The big drive home. Let's go business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96 FM. Big response to Dean, who we had on earlier, telling his story about dealing with addiction and coming out the other side and working so hard to stay out the other side of it and talked about his faith and talked about his faith is helping him through. Uh, Dean says there's a lot to be said for us, our caller says rather, there's a lot to be said to us for Irish, as Irish people. We see people in similar situations to that boy and we don't even think about stopping. We put our heads down and we keep walking. One conversation could help. Anne says, I hope any councillors or people that can help were listening to that interview this morning. He's one of how many? When we are completely out of this pandemic, we realise just how bad the drug problem got. Rosaline says, keep believing, Dean. The world is your oyster. 
as the saying goes, and stay strong. And Jimmy Horgan says, Dean, well done, lad. You should be proud of yourself. You are a hero, in fairness. Dean was an extraordinary brave contributor on the opinion line this morning. But some of the stuff that he brought up, obviously, were about self-harm and about self-doubt and about suicide and things like that. So if you were affected by anything contained in Dean's interview this morning, I should have pointed this out to you earlier on. The numbers you can call for help. The Samaritans are at 116-123. Pieta are at 1-800-247-247. Call your GP if you've got one, or even talk to somebody. Talk to a friend, talk to a relative, talk to somebody. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. All your favourite tunes to help you through the afternoon. Brilliant giveaways and everything happening in Cork. On the air here from midday on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. I've got a frog in my throat there. It's just the wrong moment. So prawn blank to 083 396 96 96. And of course, your name as well. It's always useful to have the name of the person who wants to win the free Munch Monday. A lot of talk about food today on the programme. Um, we had toasted sandwiches earlier on. And now this looks like a very interesting uh, show coming up on the RTE player. It's called Battle of the Food Trucks. And Neve Hegarty from Neve's Larder. Um, I I know of you because I know, Neve about Ballybrannigan and one of the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen in my life. And and you've got a little place down there. But tell us about the, about the business first. Good morning. Is she there? Where is she? She's on line one. Neve. Good morning. Hi. You weren't in Hi. there for a second. So so you, we know about you because of Ballybrannigan. That's kind of what shot you to fame, as it were. But talk to me about the business. Yeah, so I started my food truck on the Maybank holiday. So it's quite new to Valley Brannigan and the area and to me as well. And before that, I was doing picnic boxes and also I run a neighbour food market. So this is kind of my newest venture. Yeah. The, the, the food trucks have kind of sprung up during lockdown, haven't they? There's yeah, horse definitely. boxes and <laughs> little trucks turning into coffee shops all over the place. Yeah, I think it's just such an ingenious way of essentially setting up a food business because I suppose there's so much risk involved in actually setting up, say, a physical restaurant on a main street in your local town. Mm. Whereas this makes a very mobile business and also, you know, lower startup costs, which is, you know, something I had to think about because... I'm kind of doing all of this on my own. Yeah, as and and uh, pretty much everyone you meet who's got one of these trucks, it is really a, a single person or at most two person venture. So, how did the the television show or the player show come about then? Well, I was reached by um, some kind of people in RTE, and they just said that they'd come across, you know, me on social media and like what I was doing, and just asked if I'd be interested in taking part in the show. So there was a few interview stages because I assumed that they were interviewing a lot of people around Ireland because obviously there's a huge, huge talent of food trucks around Ireland and they were selecting just six to represent 
various food trucks around the country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they chose me, which was a massive surprise because I'm so new to this. Yes, you're so new on the market and, and yet yeah. you obviously came to their attention and your your stuff is all over Instagram. People put your sign up and you show off your boxes and you're, you're going down a storm. <laughs> uh, well, it's good. Like, obviously, I'm, you know, trying to do what I can. And obviously, I like it's a huge and very steep learning curve. But um, I suppose just putting what passion I have into it. And it seems to be working and paying off, which I'm very happy about. Now, you're up against five others from around the country. Where are they from? Yes, there's massive talent that I'm up against. So we've got Julia's lobster truck, and she's based out in Clare. Uh, she's got amazing produce. So she kind of largely does a lot of shellfish. And then you've got Blast uh, Street Kitchen there up in Monaghan. And that's very much like street food, tacos, burgers, um, kind of changing menus. And then there's Man Street Kitchen, who's based in North Dublin. And he's also got a horse box. So we were the two with horse boxes. Yeah, yeah. And he's got amazing food. So kind of like pastrami that he makes himself and hot smoked salmon and really, really interesting food. And then there's Kwanji, who's also Dublin-based and it's Asian street food. And then we've got Mex West, who's based in Dingle and it's Mexican street food. Yeah, so there's a real broad variety there. Another, yeah. another you can't say too much about what you've been challenged to do because that's for people <laughs> to watch the show. But there's yeah, exactly. one of them does involve signature dishes. Like, what's yours? Yeah, so the first challenge was the signature dish, which is the first show which is being aired tomorrow. And I actually did a soup because that's something that's been on my menu kind of alternating every week. So I did a soup. I don't know if I can say what it is. No, no, no. I don't think you can, but you made soup. Okay. okay. Yeah, but it's kind of um, a bit of a twist in the soup. You know, it's a bit, a little bit different. All right. Well, the, yeah. the, the, the series yeah. drops on the RT player tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. So each week, every Tuesday, a new episode is aired. And each week there's a new challenge as well. So somebody gets knocked out each week. I see. I see. And yeah, it's it's over now, so you, you, you can't tell us how you did, can you? Yeah. No. No, you can't. That's okay. I, I knew. Yeah. But but it, it it has come to its conclusion. Like they're not still filming, no? No, we filmed. It was all filmed within one week, which is incredible. Cool. So there was a, right. an amazing effort put in. And, but yeah, I'm in the first few episodes. So. We'll, have to, we'll have to watch with interest and see what happens. Thank you very much. That's Neve Hegarty from Neve's Larder down there in lovely Ballybranigan and she's in the battle of the food trucks on the RTE player with the first one dropping tomorrow 1850 we're talking as I said a lot about food and I must mention and I'm delighted to see uh, Finbar and Dolly and the O'Shea family at the courtyard on Sober Lane delighted to see them back voted a number of times as the best outdoor venue in Ireland and I'm thinking in the times that we're in with outdoor dining the way that we have to go for the next while, then the courtyard on Soper Lane, I was waiting for it to open, and they're open again today. So best of luck to Finbar and to Dolly and the O'Shea family. The courtyard on Soper Lane reopening today. The government of the Department of Tourism, Arts and Culture has been given out shed loads of money recently for its live performance support scheme given out money to artists and groups and event organisers to try to get them through 
uh, another very, very rough summer because at the moment there's no live music worth talking about. Because even with the open-air pubs now, well, they've got no live music. The weddings don't have any live music. There are no big gigs. There's no marquee. There's no Irish Independence Park. There's a few experimental pilot events coming up and we have to see how they will work out before we hopefully get back to gigs and to live music sometime later this year or early next. But there was a huge round of funding given out recently and a lot of artists, well-established artists, were less than happy with the way that money was being allocated. And one group who put in for a grant and were refused, much to their shock and the shock of their manager and the shock of their fans, would be what I might call national treasures Aslan, Billy McGuinness, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for the national treasure. Ah, Thank listen, you. lad, you know what? I, I I must have seen you guys 10 or 15 times and I've worked with, with, with Christian and, and Joe on, on their own show, their acoustic show. So I was absolutely flabbergasted when you guys got nothing. So were we, because not only did we get nothing last week, there was 25 million given out, but this is the second time we've been refused. So basically... There was 417 acts applied for this grant, a share of the 25 million acts and promoters. And of that, there was 270 were awarded funding and the other 130 odd were told, no, sorry, you don't meet the criteria. What were the criteria? Exactly. Nobody knows what the criteria is. And this is what we're trying to find out. Like, like we've been going for 40. Next year, Aslan are celebrating their 40th year together as a band. And the amount of tax and VAT and money that we've made for the government on ticket sales over those 40 years, the amount of charity work we've done in the country, uh, and, and to be refused this grant, but to be told, not to be told why. Now, when you, when you went to fill out the form or your manager goes to fill out the form or whoever does it, I, I presume there are certain boxes to be ticked. What there were is, they? Yeah, what were we, they? Yeah, we actually got the form form filled out by a person that filled in several of the bigger promoters' forms, the likes of MCD and Aikens and that. So the form was filled in correctly. Mm. But and what's it, in that? What, what, does it, told, what does it ask you're not, for? You're actually not told who, who the panel is that decides this. I need to know, we as a band need to know, why Aslan were refused funding for the second time. Mm. And what but, is it they want? What, what, what does the form entail? What I information? I haven't got a clue. Really? I ha- honest to God, I haven't got a clue. It's, it's, like, as I said to you, the form was filled in by, by a person that filled in for several other of, of the bigger promoters mm. who were awarded funding. They got funding. And now, don't get me wrong, I don't begrudge any of the acts that got money because the acts deserve it. They actually mm-hmm. deserve it. They're the same as us. But we want to know why, uh, why us, Aslan, were yeah. refused. Now, if you don't get the funding, and there's no, there's no appeal mechanism by all, like, what I'm, I, this must have been horrendous for you guys the last 15, 16 months, because you are a gigging band. You gig as much as you're physically able to do. Correct, correct. Yeah, we're a working band. We would be out three or four times a week, and we have been for the, for the last 40 years. And to be out of work for the past 15 months, like it is, like it, it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know? And I mean, you mentioned there that there's no live music. I mean, even outdoors in the pubs, you could have, you're not even allowed one guy with an acoustic guitar 
Yeah. Outdoor, outdoors, and especially the weather like yesterday, Father's Day. There's so many musicians that are just lying there waiting for the go, and to be told that they can't play outdoors, uh, you know, uh, where, where it's relatively safe. Like a lot of people are vaccinated. Christie's actually getting a second vaccination today. I'm waiting for my second one. But uh, to be told that, and then the, these pilot gigs that you mentioned, like they ran one in the Ivy Gardens, and it was a complete waste of time. They're running another one this week. Um, they had James Vincent McMorrow in the Ivy Gardens, who's an amazing. I watched artist. it online. It was a good. It was a good he's gig. Amazing. But, but he's absolutely amazing. Why do you say it was a waste of time? Well, here's, the, here's why it was a waste of time. I'll tell you. In England, they ran the pilot gigs in Liverpool, fifteen thousand full capacity, no masks. The bars were open. They tested everyone going in, and they tested everyone coming out. And of those fifteen thousand there was 15 positive cases. So that's information that they learned. It was relatively low. Here in the Ivy Gardens, which holds 5,000 people, they let 500 people in. And they didn't test them. Of four. Yeah. And no bars. The bar wasn't open. So what are they going... And they didn't test anyone going in or test anyone coming out. What is, all they learned is that James Vincent McMurray was brilliant. That's all they learned from that gig. Yeah. And they're doing another one now this week with Christy Moore who's on in the INEC in Killarney. Another yeah. pilot gig. The INEC holds 4,500 people. They're allowing 200 people in and the bars will be closed. What's the point? That's just a PR exercise. The government are just doing this. They have to be seen to be doing something. Mm. But it's a complete waste of time. What are we learning from these pilot gigs? Absolutely nothing. Now, I suppose, Billy, we do have to say that the, the public health advice is what the government has to act upon, not what anybody would want it has to act but upon if they, them. If the, they were acting on the public health advice, why didn't they test everyone going into the gig? Why mm. didn't they? Did, why didn't they do that? Surely that would have been safer yeah. than allowing five hundred people into into the Ivy Gardens uh, without being tested. Yeah. Now you're planning for the forty years next year, and I suppose you could have used some of this money to help you to prepare for that. But without it, where are you fixed now? I don't know. We don't know actually, because Aslan is a small business. Yeah. Uh, we have crew. Uh, we have the band and we have the office, the management. And it's like it's, it's like running any other business, you know. We need income to come in. Um, unfortunately, we haven't got that at the moment. So, yeah, we had we had a rainy day fund, but I'm sure, like many people that have dipped into their savings and everything, we're the same as everyone else. Yeah. We have you had get, PUP, lads? We need, yes, we have, yeah, yeah. Mm. But that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's red, 350, yeah. not not going to go very far. No. We all have mortgages. We all have bills. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it doesn't go far. But look, look, it is going to come back. I'm just, I, I don't want to st- just stray from the point. The point is that we need to know why we were refused, who yeah. the panel are, yeah. and what's the criteria. And if we got them answers, surely it would That should be sense. publicly available. Seeing as yeah. they're distributing public money, that should be publicly available, it and it's we not. Should, and we should be able to appeal it as well. And, and like, like, why didn't they just, uh, of the 400 acts that applied and promoters, why didn't they just share the 25 million between the 400? Why did they make it that some people got it and some people didn't? That's yeah. what we want to know. Like 20, surely, 25 million divided 400 ways to be at least be a, a handy couple of quid. Of course, of course it would. Of course it would. And we wouldn't be having this conversation. But look, you know, I mean, as I said to you, it's, it's a real kick in the teeth. Christy couldn't believe it when 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 our manager ran. Yeah, I was I, I was texting him last evening, and and he's just he's he's livid. He's absolutely furious. By the way, I didn't get a chance to ask him how how is he these days? Because anytime I talk about Aslan, people want to know how Christy is. He's 
very good. Um, he's on his, uh, this is unbelievable, he's on his third bout of chemo at the moment. Yeah. And, and it's actually working again. So each right. time he gets the chemo, it's a different mix of chemo they're giving him. That's right. And, uh, but he's just like, he's, he's fantastic. As I said, when the atomic bomb goes off, there'll be cockroaches and Christy Dignam left, I think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're not wrong. You're not you know? wrong because... because we- <laughs> We, we've we've been so we've been frightened about those who those those of you guys fans of the band and those who've had the privilege of working with Christina like myself yeah. we've been desperately worried about him so many times. He's great, no, and he keeps great. coming and, back. And, and as I said, I know we have a couple of nights held in the Cork Opera House for 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 the New Year, um, uh, possibly two nights, maybe three. I'm not sure. But that'll be, it's going to be some gig uh, the 40th, you know, it's going to be some celebration. Can't wait to see it, lads. Can't wait yeah, to see it. And to hopefully it. all this will, this, this will all pass and everything yeah. will be fine. Billy, thank you very much. Billy McGuinness from Aslan. And an update on the health of Christy D. I love that. I love that. If there's a nuclear bomb tomorrow, there'll be two things to survive. Cockroaches and Christy Dignam. He is a living legend. 40 years in the business next year. And they got not a cent from this allocation and no explanation as to why they didn't fit the criteria like if one of our best bands one of our longest standing bands a national treasure as I described them if they don't qualify why? we might look into this in, in further detail we should surely be entitled to know we should surely be entitled to know who is on that allocations committee. Let's get a very quick call with Councillor Terry Shannon because Fiona was updating us earlier on about that sinkhole in McGrath Park in Black Rock and a family car practically falling into it. And the house appears to be quite badly damaged. Terry Shannon, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Is everybody okay, briefly? Everybody's okay. Uh, thankfully, there was nobody injured. Every, everybody got out. The emergency, the emergency service were there early yesterday morning and uh, helped out and the residents all came uh, to their aid with tea and uh, sandwiches and the whole lot you know it, it's kind of devastating though really and uh, so the city council were out yesterday with Irish Water whose responsibility it is may I add and uh, they have uh, fixed the leak but obviously it has devastated the, the driveway and, and the house which had been underpinned before you know mm. so I've asked now that um, this morning I spoke with our head of operations I want a ground radar survey done of the park because we've had issues before that area of the end of McGrath Park there was subsidence there in the past where boundary walls uh, fell down and that you know mm. they were replaced by the city council so there is an issue about I think the old pipes Right. Uh, that, that are leaking and are causing problems. We've had issues out on the main road of Church Road and we've funding now provided. We've 185,000 to do work on Skahard Road. And lastly and quickly, bank. Terry, when would the family be able to go back to their house? I don't know that, but they have been accommodated by City Council and Irish Water and they provided, they've been provided with a vehicle as well just for the... And I'd right. be staying in touch with the manners as well. It is, it is devastating. They're a young couple, not in there that long, a couple okay. of years only three small kids, you know, so, oh. and your home is your castle, as you indeed, know. So. Indeed, indeed it is, and when there's something wrong with it, you need it fixed. Terry, thank you for that very brief update. I, I just needed to catch up how they're doing. Thanks very much, Councillor Terry Shannon. Get ready. Get ready. Something hot. Cork's 96FM's Free Munch Monday with McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at Crunch Times. CMIG.ie It was, of course, prawn, cocktail, Margaret Birmingham is our latest winner with Free Munch Monday. Simon has them. 
in the afternoon and of course he's also going to be speaking friendly frenzy and that's it for today the program edited by Terry Brennan produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe with Fiona Corkin here as well KC assisted his way through the forest hour oh my god this is a Monday I want to forget see you tomorrow just after nine can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream.